fuel, we stop and we get uh, and have lunch, and, uh, and then we uh, also did a coffee stop and came down the coastal route and got in about five and a half hours, which posted is like four hours and 47 minutes. And we made it in five and a half. And I'm not a speeder. I mean, I rarely go over 120. I just don't believe in it. There's no future in it. No, literally, I'm, I'm not, you know, people around here, if you, you'll always pass me. I'm like grandpa. You know, you, you, you say you're not going to do what your dad does. How many of you find out it's like a, the law of magnetism? You will become your old man. And I'm just like, am I, they scream at me, hurry up, get in the car and drive, we're ready to go. Well, I need to check another lock, or I got to go to the bathroom now, you know. And my dad, you know, I used to remember he would, he'd drive slow through town. And I realize now at, at our age, you know, you're thinking you get better gas mileage at 20 as opposed to 45. <laughs> so anyway, that was, that was one thing. So uh, I'm an expert now on which route to take. Now, if there's going to be like a work stoppage of a half hour, you might want to take the freeway and then cut over. But it was lovely. Uh, the, the, the route through Sutherland and uh, then down uh, 38 goes right along the, the Umpqua River. It's really one of the pretty drives. Rivers throughout Oregon are just full. <laughs> and uh, California has no drought. Okay. We're praying for California, but <laughs> not for their water drought. They're doing fine, you know. Uh, then the, the, so uh, Friday, uh, I had a chance to go down to the beach and, and with my friend Tim Amen, and we're going to fly a kite. Now, every time he and I fly a kite together, we are not the right brothers. We're the wrong brothers. <laughs> not Orville and Wilbur here. It's like doof, dumb and dumber, you know. So I have a brand new spool, and I'd read in, in uh, Amazon said the, that the manufacturer in another country uh, that they kind of uh, are a little bit less quality control on the string than on the reel. Reel was marvelous. So I have a brand new kite. Now just to show you the, the level of money I play with, this kite's $11. Okay, for some of you that's like, okay, that's just what you spend at the county fair to, you know, get that giant, uh, you know, bacon-covered corn dog. But for me that's like, wow, that's a lot of money, right? So I put together this new kite, and it just took off. The wind was about 15 to 20 miles an hour, and just sailed it perfect. And down the stairs comes Tim, and it's the second time I tried to let him fly a kite. The first one, we did a neighborhood run through uh, East Medford near Hedrick, finding the kite, which we did. He climbed on top of a crack house with the Hells Angels inside. <laughs> This is my birthday. Come on, give me a little break, okay? <laughs> Just tell stories, especially at my age now, you know. It's not the age that got me. It's the mileage, trying to, trying to pastor you guys for 30-some years. But anyway, it's been fun. It's been a fun journey. I'm not dying, by the way, but it's been a fun journey. So, so anyway, so Tim's coming down, and I say, look at, this is uh, that spool you guys got me because they broke my last one. And... Uh, <laughs> We're holding it, and, and the kite is just gorgeous. It's a diamond kite, 30-foot uh, tail, and just up about 800 feet. And suddenly, it just goes, Ooh. Now, unless you have a, a massive wind change, 
something's wrong. So I say, reel it in tighter, and it just flew out of sight. We had discovered that apparently the discount string just decided, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> so it marred my birthday celebration a little bit. But if I can save 10 pop cans a day, in two months I can get another kite. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we had a wonderful time. Absolute best seafood meal I've ever eaten in my life was at a place called Tidal Raves in, uh, in Depot Bay. Whoa. For those of you who love seafood, if you want to go for great seafood, you can go to Skoma's on the wharf in San Francisco, pay about 50 for parking and about 75 a plate, or you can go to Tidal Raves, free parking in Depot Bay and pay Applebee's prices for some of the best seafood you've ever had. Any of you foodies going, yeah, I feel the anointing on that meeting right now. <laughs> and it was, it was a great time. So anyway, that was part of my birthday celebration. Then, uh, uh, then Lydia gave me a couple donuts. Thank you, dear. Yeah. I'm going to bow down and do obesity for that, or obeisance, rather. Okay. Okay, let's get back to work. Or let's get to work. So good to be together in the house of the Lord. This is Valentine's week. Okay? If you don't have a Valentine, don't rush. It won't turn out good. <laughs> if you do have a Valentine, rush to Trader Joe's. Best flowers and least expensive of anywhere that I find, even, even less expensive. And they last a long time. Women like things that aren't plastic, guys. I, I, I tried to pull the scam of giving Kim flowers that I can plant. She goes, that doesn't count. <laughs> well, honey, it's like a sign of my everlasting love. No, it's a sign of your cheapness. <laughs> I want something that won't live. And because I'm beautiful, you give it to me, and it won't live past two weeks. Okay, I get it. That was three years ago. <laughs> now, Trader Joe's, guys, they're great flowers, great uh, dozen flowers. They have a range from $3.99, $5.99, $6.99. And uh, so just go down there and find the ones that are vibrant in color. They're beautiful. Maybe some that haven't opened yet. If they're all wide open, the life will be shorter than if you find some that are still in the bud and beautiful. And my wife just thinks I'm marvelous when I do that. Don't tell her, but that's part of my Valentine's plan. It's, it's Valentine's week, and, uh, and uh, it's, it's beautiful. To me, you are so beautiful. To me, can't you see? Everything I hope for, everything I need. To me, you are so beautiful. Here's the high part. To me.
all the new, the new visitors are saying, he doesn't have any notes. He's not ready. He's, he's stalling for time. Let's get into the scripture. I'd like to start by an anecdote, a story that comes from my life. I really don't believe that people really understand anything else other than what they've experienced. And in the, in the, the law of teaching, you have to take people from what they know and understand to the unknown. And so that's why many speakers will tell stories out of their life because they're hoping that maybe something that they've seen and observed relates to something that someone else or a whole group of people may be in the process of seeing and, and learning. I was raised in church. It's so neat that on my birthday, my mama was here, is here. She remembers my birthday more than I do. I was kind of just swimming in a resort-type location when suddenly mom, living on Dakota Road in what's now Fremont, California, suddenly had a strong pain in the tummy. And uh, they rushed to Eden Hospital in Castro Valley, at which point I was born, the doctor slapped my mother. That's a joke. Okay. But it's so neat to be with, with my mom. My mom, mom and dad came to Christ at a, when I was approximately four years old or five years old. It was a cataclysm, cataclysmic change in the Gene Schmelzer family. My dad in his 30s, he, when he, he got saved a few weeks after mom, but when he did, he went and poured his booze, said, done. Never drank again. They were radically saved. And so from the time I was four or five years old, all I knew was church. In other words, I knew sports and I knew that I lived in America. <laughs> Welcome to America, you know. But I was raised in church. And I'm going to make a point that you can be raised in church or you can be raised in a zoo if you're raised in a zoo, you don't automatically become a giraffe. If you're raised in church, you don't automatically become a Christian. And I remember when I was eight years old, we were a part of a church plant in Ashland. Pastor Engel, Reverend Vernell Engel, was planting a new church in 1960, 1961, or 1963 actually. And I remember setting at eight years old, I remember beginning to hear sermons that began to move me. But I wasn't, I didn't have my adult conversion. And so I was a demon in the Sunday school department. Some of my friends and I went in the sixth grade class, we went through three teachers in six months. A, because we were compliant, or B, because we were devils. We were naughty. And we just do disruptive things. So they knew we were either going to go to prison or be preachers. <laughs> and we got really born again, and it worked out well. But when I was 15 years old, so that would be the year 1970, I was playing the sport I probably love more than the other, which is baseball. And, uh, and I was up on an April afternoon. 
And I looked up into the sky to try to track down a fly ball. And uh, being persistent, I kept looking until the ball found my face. Splashed my nose, just <clears throat> created a horseshoe. My friends, being men, they all laughed. See, women are more compassionate. If you have a problem, and now we go to a woman, not men, and we go, God, I've never seen a break like that. That's great. That's a real crowd pleaser, you know. And so I had my nose smashed in my face. Raised in church, we were having, at Faith Tabernacle in Ashland, we were having a semi-well-known evangelist by the name of Tommy Hicks who had a great revival in the 60s in Argentina. Signs and wonders, miracles. And he had to get out of the country because he was literally dying because of the crowds that were crowded around his hotel. And that seed of the Argentine revival from the 60s kind of lay dormant and it re-sprouted in the, in the 90s. And they've had a great harvest again. But Tommy was in town and so he had a reel-to-reel -reel and he's showing the footage, you know. Remember the old projectors? And the teacher said, could anyone fix this? Remember those days? Like Pete and a few others, yeah, we do. Pete's acting like, no, I'm Amy's age and I don't know what you're talking about. Pretender. Uh, so we're watching reel-to-reel -reel of this great revival. And now I've got a real-life situation. My dad comes to pick me up. And he sees my nose and he said, uh, well, let me see if I can get you to a doctor where they can straighten it out. I don't know what moved me, but I said, why don't we see if Tommy Hicks would pray for me, the evangelist. Okay. He got a hold of Pastor Leo Wine, and, and Pastor Wine uh, called, uh, I think it was the Knights Inn Motel, where he had put up, uh, put up uh, Tommy Hicks. It was a better motel back then. Andrew's looking at me like, yeah, cheap. Yeah. It's, it, it was more expensive than $29.99. Maybe it was $29.99, but that was a lot more money then, you know. And uh, so uh, Brother Hicks said, yeah, bring the, the young guy by, and I'll pray. So I, I go in, and uh, my dad's with me, and uh, he looks at my nose, and he said, what do you believe is going to happen when I pray for you? I said, I believe my nose is going to be healed. He said, so do I. He laid his hands over my nose, didn't touch my nose, but over my nose, and he said, Father, according to his faith, be it unto him. He pulled his hands away, and my dad began to make the first cry as he watched the nose glide across my face. And, uh, and when I looked in the mirror, then I cried, and I was touched. A miracle. So the, 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 the neat part of the story would be that at that point, I just followed Jesus full heart, wholeheartedly. No, I didn't. I was amazed. One of the things that, that puzzled me was when I went back, it was a Friday afternoon, when I went back to school on Monday, not one friend asked me who straightened out my nose. Nobody. Let me just say this. Miracles don't convince everybody. Miracles don't always convince the person that sees the miracle. 
and that's where we're going to be headed today, is what gets inside of a person's heart and head to really inflame them for God. Because I found in my life that, that it was approximately April of 1970, I saw the hand of the Lord move in my behalf. But it was March of 1971 when I saw his face and it changed me. One was on the heels of a crisis and a miracle. The other was just I was coming home from school and I was being a sophomore in, in high school and the drug world was starting to open up and the girl thing and all that was happening and, and I was experiencing the sanctifying power of being under Christian parents but I had some friends that were compromising Christian kids that were starting to run off the rails and <clears throat> I don't recall thinking about God per se we lived on Scenic Drive in Ashland just below the Ashland Hospital and I remember getting off the bus and walking up the street. And my mom, uh, she was a stay-at-home mom, you know, always cooking, always a meal, or at least fake that there was going to be a hot meal, put on spices so dad would think that something was cooking while she scrambled. But anyway, I go in and I give my mom a hug. And, hey, mama, you know, I love you. And hey, welcome home from school. You know, it was just routine. And I went back into my bedroom and I sat down on the bed and then, I had an epiphany, just a sense of God speaking into my mind. And he began to show me, he said, there's two paths set before you. There's the path of the world, there's the drugs, there's the girls, there's the live your own life, or there's me and a great adventure. It was that simple. And I remember just feeling really weak and just feeling powerless to changed my life and I just said oh God uh, if you give me strength for one day I'll walk with you that day that was our contract and, and I was hit with power and a craziness so just as I had a broken nose and, and it was healed the next day at school I was like I went from being a comedian second or third string level athlete to preacher, I was hit by God. And I found that as I prayed there, just the sins went away. It was no longer that I was riding under June and Jean's righteousness. How many of you know it's good that, that your children are under your canopy, that the, the believing parents sanctify the children that there comes a time when the, it's got to be like Thomas, the Lord of me and the God of me, or my Lord and my God. And that was that day in March of 1971, about 11 months after my miracle. I have a greater miracle. Because even if I hadn't had my nose miraculously healed, I still would have had, you know, something poke up my nose and straighten it. And God does a bad trick. When, when he restores, he doesn't always improve. He restored my nose. He didn't give me like a Tom Cruise nose or anything like that. Brad Pitt, no, just, just me. Isn't that right? 
But the real miracle was coming to know the one that Jesus, in today's teaching, revealed as, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 6, we're going to be looking at a number of verses, but the context is that Jesus had just been doing great miracles. Crowds were coming in mass because, see, when, when the kingdom is preached in power, practical needs are met as well as spiritual needs. How many of you know that when you're racked with pain, you need physical healing? And you can be in a great spiritual meeting, but if you're racked with pain, sometimes you can't even pay attention. And Jesus and, and the Father are very much aware of that. And so when Jesus came on the earth, so much of him proclaiming the kingdom was delivering people from spirits that were tormenting them, from healing their body, from, and, then, and then, then bringing them to the Father for a spiritual conversion. But Jesus had just been overwhelmingly doing a number on healing the sick and casting out demons, and suddenly they were off in a great, uh, a great crowd had followed him into the wilderness, and Jesus poses that question to the boys. He said, hey, uh, what are, what's the needs of the people? Well, they've been three days, and they need food. Well, he said, feed them. How many of you know when Jesus usually gives you a challenge, it's like, huh? Go do a great thing for me. How? <laughs> By being in me and me and you. And so, so they discover... The disciples discover and the people discover that Jesus can meet tangible needs like food. And he multiplied the loaves and fishes. And so we're going to pick up a conversation where Jesus begins to talk about that which he did and that which he wanted to do. We've all have experience of what Jesus has done. We've We've come to Jesus for a number of reasons. People even come to churches for a number of reasons. Maybe they're tired of the sports bar experience and getting married. Hello? Watch this. If you keep fishing in the same pond, you'll catch the same kind of fish. And after a few divorces from someone that said they'd love them forever, and that was three weeks... Some people come to find a mate in church. Maybe along the way, they're apprehended by Jesus and they convert and then they have deeper reasons. Some people come to find a friend or a, a girlfriend or boyfriend. They get dumped and they stay and they walk with Jesus. But not everybody comes to church every Sunday just like, wow, I want to know God. I just want to learn more. Sometimes we go there because it's just seemed to be the right thing to do. I'm glad you're here. Don't leave. But there's more. And Jesus wants to dialogue with us. In John chapter 6, verses 24 and following, uh, from the uh, New Living, it says, So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, <laughs> not because you understand the miraculous signs. You know, when I read the words of Jesus, I think sometimes he could really stand to be a little bit more Christ-like. 
oh, I guess it isn't that I, he needs to be more Christ-like, because what he says is really his words. It's the fantasy we have of Jesus. That Jesus didn't know how to confront people. Jesus was brutal at times. Think about someone who's coming there like really sly. They show up at your house at five o'clock because they just need to love you. We have like young guys, Johnny's friends, Johnny's people. And he'll bring them. Can I bring a couple friends? Two for Johnny means eight. It's dinner time. Well, Mama, let's thin the soup. We got a few more. And I'll kill him later. But Jesus didn't mind confronting people. Why? When, when God confronts you, it's not because he needs to understand something. He needs you to understand something. He said, you want to be with me because, not because, because I fed you. Not because you got it. And how easy it is for me to take care of the natural things. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. The Son of Man can give you that same radical transformation that he gave me, that he's given so many. So many right here have had an epiphany that took you beyond convenience, mama's faith, to your faith, to where you go way past convenience. You, 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 you will suffer persecution and not fold like a cheap suit. You would, like so many people around the globe are doing, you would lift up your neck to have your throat slit, then deny the name of Jesus. Trust me, you're beyond the loaves and fishes kind of Christian. Come on now, can we shout a little bit? God's raising up a great bride across the earth, and she's not just a user. She's not just trying to hang around for the free hot dogs. Hello? Man, I know this preaching's getting good. I want to sit down and just listen to it for a while. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one who he has sent. That's the number one work that the believer is asked to do is believe, believe. Believe whatever he says. When he says, I am the God that heals you from Exodus 15, he's the healer. When he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he's your comforter. When he says, I won't leave you as an orphan, but I will come to you. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will lead you into all truth. And he will bring the words I've said. That means that the Holy Spirit's in you. He's not going to leave you. You don't need to run to every altar saying, pray that God would love me. God loves you. And you are to believe what he said he will do in your life and what he's doing for all of us. And the challenge I have as a believer is to stay in the belief zone. Say this with me. I am a believer. I believe in God. I believe in the scriptures. I believe that God will do the things that he's told me through his scripture. 
he will do. He's Lord of the universe. He's coming back. <laughs> Woo, we could go on. Oh, you even got the woo down. Woo is you. <laughs> now, woo is me. I'm happy today. It's my birthday. But, uh, you know, people were thanking me that though it's my birthday, I didn't, I didn't dress in my birthday suit to come up here. I, no, seriously, could be a nasty, you guys. I did get a birthday suit. My wife got me at Men's Warehouse for my birthday a new suit. A lot better than the one Mama gave me when I was first born that just come out naked. Ah! Milk! Okay. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? I just want to say this. Jesus never gets in, in a lineup for a beauty contest. You want to go to Lady Cleo and get your palm read? Knock yourself out. You're dealing with witchcraft. He's not going to jump in to stop you from stupidity. All the time, people come to Jesus and say, I'm going to set a little contest for you. And he just says, nah, I, I won't show up. The time he shows up is when you're stepping and, you're, and, 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 and the demonic is challenging your God. And you say, my God can consume this sacrifice with fire. God can hold the rain. He can release the rain. When you are working on his glory, you'll be amazed at how much he'll show up. When you're trying to get him to defend your dishonor, forget it. It ain't happening. And these guys are like cross-armed. You just show us what you can do. And he's going, well, okay. After all, they, they continue to speak. Our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Mo was just a, he's just a spokesman. He was an intercessor. I, I love Moses. But, I, I, but behind it all is Father God. It always is. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. We're seeing a comparison of natural bread, which is useful. How many of you are a foodie and you actually like food? I've become Italian over the years, being married to Kim, and I can only go so many days without some good pasta. And then I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing her Sicilian apron strings. I'm going to die if I don't get some spaghetti or something. And she's going, I own you. Uh, I like natural food. But I'll tell you what, the one that made the millet, the flax, the oats, the barley, the wheat, the pineapple, is the one who's the bread of heaven. He offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one, who, the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am. Second time that we see Jesus saying, the self-existent one, Jehovah God, I am, is also the bread to change your life. 
the bread that created creation, the bread that feeds every sparrow, every bird, every mammal, every fish of the sea. I am the bread of life. I am. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. It's not speaking of natural. He's speaking of you, be, you pass from death to life. You no longer. When you're really born of God, you throw away your list of other potential gods. I don't like, you know, right now, Jesus is, is God for me, but, you know, as a backdrop, I've got, you know, Baha'u'llah from the Baha'i faith and maybe little Taoism, maybe Confucianism, Zoroastrianism, maybe I'll go New Age, maybe, you know, well, I'm from Ashland, that would be natural for me to go to New Age, except uh, crystals cost too much, Bibles are a lot cheaper, I'm going to probably stay with Christianity. Have you ever noticed that when you're really born of God, you throw away all your God list? People will say this, I searched through many religions and I found Jesus and it's like, done. That means you're not hungry anymore. We need to pray for Muslims. There's a reason why a a physician's wife from Scotland logically would be packing herself and her babies with explosives well-paid Muslim doctor, his wife is ready to be a jihadi because Islam's only promise to give you assurance that you will guaranteed go to paradise is if you die in jihad. You say they're crazy. They're not crazy. They're logically following, following the deception of their faith. And here's a physician's wife, and her babies are dressed beautifully, and she has all kinds of money, but she says, I can't take the longing in my heart. I've got to go to paradise and take what I love with me. Believer, do you take God for granted? Do you take the fact that when you wake up in the morning, you know God is with you? I don't believe I'm the best Christian. I'm not even the best Christian here, much less in the world. Even Pete's a better Christian than me, believe it or not. No, I'm just teasing. Well, no, he is a great Christian. But I know that my God has loved me. I know that he's conveyed away my sins by the blood of Jesus. And every day that I've lived since that beautiful day, that March day, I felt his touch. What a neat thing. And the world longs for, for a fulfilling bread If you really study Islam, it is one of the most tortuous, fearful religions in the world that offers nothing but maybe you'll make it. Maybe. And that's why so many people, not all of them, but so many people are willing to say, I'll die in jihad, that's the only way I know I get to go to paradise. Who 
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Again, like the last time we talked about before Abraham was I am, the, the use of the term I am or self-existent or I am what I, that I am or I am what I am, I'll be what I will be, triggers in the Jewish collective mindset a claim of eternal existence. Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. <clears throat> How can he say I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said, for no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I who was sent from God has, have seen him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. How many of you said, I'm a believer? According to Jesus, if you are a believer... It's not that you're going to get eternal life. You are living in eternal life with a lot of fog around your head still. I'm not, I don't have to die to get eternal life. I get eternal life by believing in Jesus. I, mean, I don't know about you, but I hope you leave here happy. Because I get a free hamburger at, at Red Robin for my birthday today. And baby, I am going to lap that sucker up because it's a happy day. But you know what? If it wasn't my birthday and someone was telling me how cool it is to have eternal life and that we don't have to die to get it, that we've already passed into it by faith in Jesus, that would, that would be better. That's excellent. And that's what Jesus is saying. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life, yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate man in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. How many of you know natural bread? It's cool. It's great, especially if it's pasta or rice. Because you know that God has given nearly every ethnic group around the globe a different, in many cases, a different form of starch, which acts as their bread. The Orient grew the grain we call rice. South America produced the potato okay, which Europe picked up and loved. And then there is the various grains like oats and barley and wheat. And, uh, and then there's stuff like millet and quinoa and all kinds of cool grains. God has made it to where he feeds with natural breads the whole world. Yams from Papua New, New, New Guinea, various grains all over. God made it to where uh, beans and rice for Mexican people 
Don't worry about Mexican people. Like, oh, I don't know if, you know, they're going to be healthy. They're eating beans and rice. That's a complete protein chain. Look at them. They're everywhere. They're on the front row. They're everywhere here. Bendiciones a los mexicanos aquí y afuera en México. God bless the grains. God, God fed us with, with natural food. But he's saying, ah, that's chump change compared to what really I want you to come into. Coming to Jesus doesn't mean you throw away your tortillas and your beans and rice. It means you've got Jesus and chorizo. It's, how could it be any better, you know? <laughs> and the Portuguese with their linguiça. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Skipping down to verse 57, I live because the living Father who sent me in the same way. Anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. Let me just say this, that you've got to eat the bread to get its nutrients. Does that make sense? People took exception, like when Jesus began to give a very non-kosher description back up in, in verse 54. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Read my lips really carefully. You will have your faith challenged, not just by the devil, but by God. Every person who crosses the bar, which is a nautical term for getting across, let's say, Brookings Harbor or Charleston Harbor or Depot Bay Harbor, there's what's called the bar where it's the mismatch between the, the, the bay and the ocean, and it's, it's one of the most difficult things to do is cross the bar. Once you're in the ocean, you're okay. Once you're in the harbor, you're okay. But many accidents happen because of the conflict of concepts. God himself, Jesus knew he was going to freak out many people by saying, uh, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, you have to realize these are people that don't even understand the beauty of pork. <laughs> They're kosher. No shellfish, no shrimp. They've been all their life being told, we don't, we don't, we don't eat blood. We don't, we don't eat unclean animals. And now this one that they saw and knew from the region was saying, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And this gave them an out from pressing in. Look at me. The only reason that you will persevere in your faith is when you go through the bar of contradictory results. Things that freak you out, and they might have even been brought to you by God. One of the books I hate in the Bible worst is Job. I do love it for teenagers. I say, you need to read the book of Job and get one. <laughs> I, I'm troubled by the part of Job where God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Like, why not, like, maybe a servant that's not quite as obedient? Sometimes God lets the best servants go through the deepest trials. 
like, like Jesus, the son of God, like Abraham. He doesn't, he doesn't just pick on the baddies. No, God's kingdom is rugged. It takes faith to press in and pass through the bar of contradictory results. God was speaking to us about that. We let those close off our spirit. There's a lot of things in my life I go, I don't know. Why did this happen? I don't know. I know one thing. I heard the voice from heaven. I've seen his hand move, but I long to see his face. I long to travel on in this journey and drink his blood and eat his body through the communion to be transformed to where at the end of my life it's never about me anymore. It's only him. Every one of you that are being on a journey to maturity, you're relating, you're going, yeah, God, put me in that lineup. We've all been fed by him. We've all had divine supply, neat uh, apartment, a house that you couldn't afford to get into that God opened up, creation of things. But do you love him for what he can do for you or will you love him like Job when God said, have you considered my servant and then your name's there? Divine humor. Like when, when David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yea, like it's optional. I've never met an A-level Christian that hasn't gone through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not optional. You will go through it. So don't go yay to me. The only people that can say yay, though, are those that haven't gone, though. <laughs> Kim's got my time flag. John goes on, John 6. And a lot of the kosher people walked away. This freaks me out. I've been around the world enough that there's a lot I don't like about the kingdom of God. I'd like God to do things and then bring faith. He says you won't see it unless you believe. I'd like him to focus more on blessing me than dealing with my character. I'm broken over the number of Christians died last year. I'm broken when I read Revelation about the martyrs and their blood crying out from under the altar of God. I'm broken that Jesus, when he had the devil to the mat, didn't smack him down and make it easy. But the, Satan was released to bring forth brothers into maturity. But I have got to stay in this game. I've got to go through hand after hand because I want to know what's under that next card. I want to know. Like Peter, he's asked, or he spoke up, and a bunch walked away. It said they no longer followed Jesus. And so God, so Jesus asked them, he said, will you also go? And Peter, that we often laugh about, he had one of the purest passion loves, and he was going to be schooled. How many of you know that life will give you the test and then teach you the lesson. <laughs> and I love what Peter said. He said, where can we go? You have the words of life. This Christian walk is not all easy. 
How many of you can say, man, I've, I've suffered as much, it seems like, as a Christian as I did when I was a heathen? The difference is you got to go to heaven. And you get to know him. Peter, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. We buy it. I want to tell you something. Peter was so transformed by the end of his life. Whereas it used to be like, how's Pete doing? Did I get the right answer? When they were going to crucify him, when he didn't have a large crowd to hear him preach, and they said, we're going to crucify you, said, I only ask one thing. Could you turn me upside down? I'm not even worthy to be crucified like my master was. I want to tell you something. Peter won. Paul said, there's a crown of life that's set before me. It's so important that you understand how to acquire natural bread. It's important that you develop a prayer life to get your needs. But you will know that you've gone way beyond when suddenly it costs you and doesn't pay you. At least it doesn't appear to. Wow. Let's all stand up. Well, this is a typical Schmelzer birthday. We laugh, we joke, we cry, we rage. And we love our God. How many of you would like to give everybody else the greatest gift in this world that you can give them. The greatest gift that you can give everybody in your world and in this world is to be the one that said, I believe. God, I just want to eat the spiritual bread. I live because of your broken body and your shed blood. And in my living and my dying, I want to say thanks. Like Peter showing up. The master walks to see you, Galilee. There's Peter and the guys. He's up in, in Panis or Caesarea Philippi. Who do men say that I am? And they blew past that, but who do you say I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I feel the Holy Spirit blowing with power in this place right now. He's reaching not only to the lost, but to the saved. To ask that question, what level of bread are you eating from God? I feel my spirit just yearn to commune with God, to understand that every day that I live, every night when I lay down to sleep, I know that I'm loved of God. I know that I cannot take away my sins. They've been paid in full. And that when I awake, Father God oversees my life that I'm not just trying to touch God, but I was born of his will. 
and I will never be abandoned. How many of you know if we begin to understand who Jesus really is, we're going to have compassion on false religions. We're going to pray that Jesus will manifest himself to the Muslims, the New Agers, the people that feel they need to worship Gaia, the earth goddess. How many of you know we need to take care of the earth, but this is not an eternal earth. It's time dated. It will be remodeled. This one will be consumed with a fervent heat and we'll have a new heavens and earth. Real quickly, I'd like every person that came here looking for new life, just saying, hey, my life is uh, tweaked. You don't have to be in a train wreck to understand that you're driving dangerously. Maybe you just ache for reality. You're so hungry. You're so thirsty. I want to invite you to the God who says, if you will eat me, the bread of life, you'll never hunger. You'll never thirst again. If you're here and you say, man, I don't know a whole lot about God, but I just want in. I just want to have my sins forgiven by God and I want to be a child of God. I want to know Jesus. I want to know the Father. I want to know the Holy Spirit. Come on out of your chair. Maybe you brought a friend and they're kind of kicking tires. Well, ask them. Say, hey, is today a good day to receive Jesus? How many of you know that none of us look back at that day we received Jesus and said, you know, man, I wish I'd have waited 10 years longer. But we do wish we'd have gotten saved 10 years sooner, don't we? If you're here and you have not received the Lord, or if you're watching on the live stream or even on the archive, understand that if you call in the name of the Lord, you will be saved. God loves you. Now for the rest of us. Could we lift up our hands? Hallelujah. 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 God bless you, man. Yeah. We're going to pray. Just pray this prayer. Let's all pray this. Repeat it. Dear Father, I come to you this day. I need change. I need your power. You loved me. You gave Jesus as a sacrifice for my sins and the sins of the world. There is nothing I can do to do your works but to begin with believing. I believe in you, Father. I believe in the payment that you've paid, that Jesus has conveyed away my sins as I put my trust in him. Dear Jesus, take away my sins. Give me of your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your life. Dear God, if you'll be my father, I'll be your child. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. I receive you today, dear Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to pray with the rest of us. Today, the Holy Spirit in the prophetic time was kind of just speaking to us that it's easy to get 
rocks and things in your well. One of the things that I've learned when I go through hard times, I don't try to overthink it. I tell God, God, you know I'm locked up, but I know you're a father and you will speak to me. So I'm not going to try to figure it all out, but God, you know my heart. You know maybe even bruising that no one else sees that's kept me bound up. I don't want to be a drama king or queen. And so, Lord, please come to me. Please help me to get on track again. You are pursued by God, my friend. <laughs> it doesn't start when you hit 40, kids. Right now, some of you teenagers, God is so up in your grill, you are ruined. He is going to chase you down and do like he did to me and freak you out. And you're going to get so on fire for God that people are going to think that you ate dope. I appreciate the hand of God. Say, lift up your hand. Say, I love the hand of God. But I love what the Bible says. My glory and the lifter of my head. I want you to catch that not only do you have the hand of God, but you have the face of God. It's he who lifts you up from out of shame out of disappointment, out of self-loathing and saying, child, I love you. I love you with an everlasting love. Watch this. If you'll seek the face of God, you'll have both legs, both arms, and both hands. Get the face, you get it all. That's what Jesus is saying. Eat the bread of heaven and we'll still get your tamales. We'll still get your rice. We'll still get your potatoes. But you get the best of heaven and the earth. Come on, let's shout a little bit. Hey, hey, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, you guys are dismissed. We'll have the elders and leaders down here praying for you. If you have health needs, things that you need prayer for, maybe just even prayer based on the message you heard from the Lord today, then we want to pray with you. God bless you. Just understand this is Abraham Lincoln's birthday and mine. Okay. Have a great one. Just as a reminder, as you're leaving, it is Connect Week. So if you're in a Connect group, remember you have Connects this week. And if you're not in a Connect group, you can go to joychristianfellowship.com and you can find the Connect group that works best for you and your family. Um, God bless you and have a great week.